I just, I didn't give up on myself. It was taking me so long where it was all right. Like, yeah, he's not coming back. Like he, he's done, you know? And I told myself, I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen. Like I refuse to let that happen. I refuse to just be written off. Like, no, not, not, not going to happen. Thank you for tuning in to the Roughnecks podcast. I'm your host, Cole Nixon. I'm a senior at Ohio Wesleyan University in Delaware, Ohio, where I also play football. Just about every week on this podcast, I try to bring on guests who are viewed as leaders and motivators in the world of coaching, business, and just life. I talk to them and they share some advice for all of us. You can catch a new episode every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to follow the Roughnecks podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at Roughnecks Podcast and Twitter at Roughnecks pod c1 if you ever want to contact the roughnecks then message us on social media or email at roughneckspodcast at gmail.com let's get into this week's show Joining the Roughnecks podcast for episode 14 is someone by the name of Richie Worship. I've actually never met Richie, but Chris Bonner, who you can hear featured on episode 6 of the Roughnecks podcast, actually contacted me after we recorded and was like, hey, I have a guy you might like. Richie went to Valley Forge High School where he played football with Chris along with Joe Yurick, who you can also hear on episode 4. After high school, he was lucky enough to go on and play at the next level with a scholarship to Purdue University. He played in many games and was even lucky enough to get some starts for the Boilermakers. Unfortunately, his career was cut short due to an injury. He shares some insights on handling that injury as well as some stories about his football career. Excited to share my conversation with Richie Worship. Mr. Richie Worship, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. Uh, it's kind of crazy. You know, we've never even met each other in our lives, but uh, through Chris Bonner, he uh, reached out to me after episode six and said, you know, I got this guy that I know and I've heard a lot about you. I went to college with Chris and Joe, so I know both of them pretty well. And I've heard about you and I've never met you, but it's kind of crazy that we've never met each other. And here you are doing a podcast with me. A good show. It's uh, what kind of person you are. And I really appreciate you joining the show. Oh, yeah, no, I appreciate you. Thank you for the opportunity, man. And like you said, it is kind of crazy. You know, we never met, but, uh, yeah, you know, Joe and Chris are two good guys. Grew up with them, you know, play uh, high school ball with them. But, no, nah, definitely, uh, you know, we'll probably know that, you know, we grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, played at Valley Forge, home of the Patriots. Uh, you know, our records weren't <laughs> really the best, but, you know, it was it was a team, and we were a family, and we played our, our butts off for each other, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about the Valley Forge. Just give me a little background on yourself, you know, from Valley Forge to where you're at now. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, uh, like I said, you know, playing at Valley Forge, uh, I would say, you know, our schedule was, you know, we had some tough, tough teams. Uh, we didn't have the the outcome that we would like, you know, for all four years over there. But, uh, you know, God willing, I was able to uh, get recruited and had uh, multiple offers to play D1 ball, you know, and uh, just from there, I decided to uh, go play at Purdue at full ride there. And, uh, you know, that I will say that was a blessing. My high school coaches believed in me. My teammates believed in me. Um, you know, I had a good support system uh, just coming from from Valley Forge. I, like I said, I played with Joe and Chris and no offense to them, but they don't have the athletic talent that you had or still do have probably, but I, like we, we, anytime they talk about high school football and we'd be hanging out, your name would come up. 
just give me a rundown. Like what's the recruiting process? Like as a, like somebody who's getting recruited D one, like, you know, you probably, I feel like you get more contact than what, cause I like D three. So what's the recruiting process? Like, you know, like what are some of the coaches that you met too through that process? Yeah, definitely. No, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's uh, <laughs> I, I saw one of your posts on Instagram from your Instagram where you just had a, you move, I think you moved and you had a ton of just uh, mail. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's what I said. It, it was, it's definitely the recruiting process. It's definitely a, a fun time. You know what I mean? And I would say, you know, for anybody that's going through it, enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's definitely awesome. Uh, but uh, like, yeah, like you said, cause I, I remember playing this day, um, I was going into a uh, junior year of high school and uh, I got my first official offer. It was from uh, Toledo uh, uh, coach, uh, Tom Manning. He contacted me and uh, you know, said he, he, you know, he had offered me and everything and it was awesome. And I, I just remember right after I got that offer, I, it was just offer after offer after offer as if like they kept talking and, and it, it, it seemed like as if the schools were talking about, oh, well, they offered that kid. Well, we're going to offer him too. Like, but no, it was, it was awesome. Though. It was. And it just, before you knew it, I had, you know, 10 plus offers. You know, majority was all Mac schools, you know, through that process. You know, I'm sitting there and I've never been through the, that whole recruiting process. My coaches really wasn't familiar with it either. And, you know, so I'm kind of sitting there like, man, like, I don't know what to do. Like, man, this is crazy and stuff like that. And, you know, my coaches and my, my family stayed with me and like, hey, you know, just breathe keep doing what you're doing, keep playing ball, don't focus on it too much, just focus on the now, you know what I mean? And But no, it, it was definitely fun. It was definitely awesome. And then through that process, you know, like I said, majority of it was all Mac schools. Um, I had been, the one big offer that I had was, uh, you know, Purdue. And uh, <laughs> to be honest, I when I got recruited and, and offered, I honestly had no clue where Purdue was, didn't know the mascot, <laughs> didn't know anything. You know? And uh, <laughs> and I remember I was, I was talking to my mom, like, mom, I'm like, Purdue University offered me. And she was like, that's great. And I was like, I don't know where that's at. <laughs> she was like, boy, it's in Indiana. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't know, you know. And uh, no, but uh, it, it was great. Um, and then I was going into my senior year, you know, I had a pretty good season my, my junior year. And I uh, decided to actually commit before going into that senior year, just so I have you know, some weight off my shoulders and be good to go and just focus on that senior senior, senior, senior season. And that's when, you know, I committed to Purdue. I uh, loved it there. loved the coaching staff. Uh, they made me feel, you know, really at home. Felt like it was a very strong family connection there. You know what I mean? And it was just little things where majority of that mail was from Purdue, you know, saying happy birthday or, you know, hey, you had a good game Friday, yada, yada. You know, just little things here and there just, you know, kind of checking with me and, and uh, just seeing how everything was going. What's that atmosphere like, you know, that first time you walk on campus at Purdue? Did you go on a game day visit there, I'm assuming? Yes, yeah, yes, I did, yep. Mm -hmm. What was that, like, feeling? Because you're, what, 18 years, 17, 18 years old, and you're sitting there yeah. like, wow, like, this is crazy. So what's that What's that feeling like? Man, I, I could, the best way to describe it is like a movie, you know. Um, I got there on the campus, and the campus looked like a, a, like a, like a stereotypical college campus. I'm like, man, like – the big, huge, older-looking buildings that you got the newer, modern buildings and stuff like that. I'm just like, man, this is this is crazy. And then, you know, if you knew where Valley Forge High School was, it was the complete opposite of just, you know, just humongous buildings, a bunch of people walking around. It was awesome, man. 
it, it was funny because it was like everything was picture perfect. You know, like it was a sunny day outside, nice outside. <laughs> you know, it was, everything went perfect. And, uh, you know, you had everybody greeting you, sitting there like, hey, how you doing, Richie, yada, yada, you know, and you kind of get your, you know, personalized tour of the, the campus and stuff. And uh, my parents were with me, my mom and my dad was with me. And, uh, you know, it was kind of just showing us around campus. Uh, and, you know, they kind of already had, you know, information prior to be going like, hey, you know what, you know, what do you think you may be interested in going there, you know? And uh, at the time, to be honest, I had no clue. I had, I had no clue. I wanted to go to what I want to go school for. Most people like don't, and even when they right. decide the first time, it probably isn't what it is. That ends up being exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, you're absolutely right. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, it was just awesome. That day was just awesome in general. You know, of course, they got all the spotlight on you and showing you this and that. Then, the best part, you know, you get to. The actual field, you know, take you out on the field, stand there, like imagine, you know, you playing in front of thousands of people, you know, packed out and everything. You know, just just the whole experience in general was awesome because you know they make you feel really special. You know, like, hey, like you know, you're the top guy that they want, and so it was awesome. It was awesome just to get that 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 pampering treatment uh, for the day. <laughs> so, what ultimately made you decide to go to Purdue? You know, um, at the time frame, you know, it was Coach Hazel that was there, and. The biggest thing to me where I noticed, which was awesome, out of all my offers, they were all position coaches that offered me, you know, and I can actually say Coach Hazel was one of, well, I think actually only two, yeah, out of the, yeah, it was two head coaches actually talked to me. Coach Hazel was one of them. And um, not only that, it was just, you know, he asked me in general, like, yeah, we did talk about football a little bit, but I noticed most of his conversation was, you know, what did I plan on doing besides football? You know, what I'm going to do? at the university, and, you know, and by this time, you know, I did a little bit of research and, you know, figured out, okay, like, well, academically, this is a pretty good school. So, you know, if football don't work out, I'll be good to go. You know, it just, I noticed he was really, you know, locked into, you know, the man that I will become and like, you know, who will I be? Not as Richie, the football player, but like, you know, Richie as a Purdue graduate, you know what I mean? And so it was awesome. It just, that made me feel wanted and, you know, that, it just wasn't somebody wanting me for my abilities, which was which was pretty cool. Man, that's kind of crazy because I look at when I because I went to I go to Ohio Wesleyan's currently, and mm-hmm. when I decided to go there, it's almost the same thing. Like he was one of the, our head, the head coach was one of the only head coaches to actually like sit down, have a conversation with me, and it wasn't just about football; it was beyond that. So it goes to show, you know, if you're a coach out there listening to this, the head coach, it, it goes to show when you talk to your players, the players yeah. you're recruiting. Definitely. It goes a long way. It definitely goes a long way. Because I feel like, you know, especially coming out of high school, you know, the number one thing that, you know, high school athletes that I feel like they can relate to the most and what they want is that relationship. You know what I mean? Just that relationship feeling with their coach because they've used, they're used to it for the past four years in high school, you know. And I know you can attest too, once you make it to that next level of college, it's not as strong of a relationship base. It's more, you know, production. And yeah what can you do and what do you bring to the table you know those those, those aspects of the game but yeah no definitely I think it, it's a, a pretty good touch if you know head coaches of these programs can reach out and just talk to these you know these these recruits and these athletes yeah and it could be a simple text like you said it could be a simple hey happy birthday little text like that it's it right, goes beyond right. that so yeah, definitely What's that game atmosphere like? So when you finally get on to get there in your, your freshman year, you get out there, what's that game atmosphere like when you run out there in front of thousands of people? Like what, how, that's gotta be something that's crazy. Cause you know, I haven't played in front of a ton of fans like that, but I can only imagine what it's like. My freshman year, I was actually redshirted just because, you know, we had a really good stud uh, running back at the time. Um, so, you know, I didn't dress, but I remember that first home game, like it was yesterday. 
oh man, who do who do we play in our first game freshman year? I want to say was it Nevada? I want to say it was Nevada. My freshman. That sounds year. about right because I was looking at up stats and stuff, and that sounds about right. Yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, I didn't play, and then we, you know, hit the field. You know, doing a little warm up and stretch and stuff like that. But by this time, it's not really that many people. You have a few people sitting there here and there, you know, because it's about 30 minutes before kickoff, you know. So we're doing a pre, pre-game warm-ups and stuff like that. Then we go back into the locker room. You know, coaches kind of give you that, that, that you know, that hype speech and stuff. And by this time, like I said, I'm, I'm not even dressed. I just have the jersey on, you know, because I'm sitting on the sideline. But my heart is racing. I'm like, man, like, this is awesome. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to go out there and play. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so you finally tell us, you know, head out the locker room. And then they say, you know, and now you're Purdue Boilermakers. And you hear the little train horn, and then we run out. And I just remember just as we ran out, it seemed as if the whole stadium was sold out. Like it was just so much cheering and, <laughs> and yelling. Like I was kind of just stuck, like, wow, like this is crazy. And like I remember just running and like looking everywhere, thinking to myself, like, please don't fall. You look stupid in front of all these people. You know, it, <laughs> it, it was it was awesome though. And I just remember just Right before that kickoff, it was just so loud. I just felt the vibrations too, and and I knew, you know, first first game is always going to have most people just because it's the kickoff of the season. But it was that was a different feeling. It was a, a never forgettable feeling ever. Going off that kind of, what's your favorite memory there? When of all your memories, we can go both like maybe socially and academically and football was favorite memory. Okay, man, ooh, favorite memory at Purdue. I got to say. My favorite memory is when uh, it was my junior year. Now, we've always had a stud running back uh, room, always, always. You know, it was about four of us that battled every single day that easily all four of us could have started. And the coaches knew that, too. So, you know, they found ways to rotate us all in. And the majority of the time I did play fullback, you know, um, fullback kind of like the utility guy. And I remember it was against Nebraska that week against Nebraska. Coach at the time, Coach Barclay, he told me, he was like, Hey, you're going to be starting this week. And I was like, oh, Wow. You know, it was a home game. You know, that was my favorite. This is my favorite memory there, at, you know, at, actually in Ross A Stadium. And uh, I'm just thinking to myself in my heart, like, Ooh, this is your chance. Like, this is your chance to, to, to go big. And, um, you know, I actually didn't, I didn't have a bad game. You know, I had a touchdown that game, a um, little under 100 yards uh, off of 18 carries. But, you know, I did have a couple highlights that game, and it was just awesome knowing like hey I got the opportunity to start and play in front of you know friends and family and stuff like that you know at this level it just felt like at that time that all the hard work that I, I I've been grinding and, and putting in it finally paid off but that was my, my most memorable moment in uh, Ross City Stadium. Yeah like you said you were lucky enough to be able to play and get in the end zone a couple times what's that feeling like when you finally scored that first touchdown for oh, like in, in college. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, all I remember was, <laughs> so it was unfortunately right after we, we, you know, switched coaches, we didn't have Hazel, Coach Brown came in and we was kicking off the season against Louisville. And at this time, this is when Lamar was still playing. <laughs> oh, man. So the whole time, you know, we were just going in, you know, just focus on, hey, you know, we got to, keep them in the pocket, keep them in the pocket, let them throw it. And, you know, their defense, they're very athletic, but we just got to keep moving the ball. First down, first down, first down will be good. And I remember it was our, I think I want to say it was our third offensive series. 
uh, <laughs> I was in. It was red zone. I think we we're probably about, you know, on the 11-yard line or so. And uh, I had like a little responsibility. It was kind of like, you know, check blitz. And then if nobody comes, release out, you know, into a little bubble. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I check. Nobody releases. So I'm sorry, nobody blitzes. So I release. Get out to the flats. And I see the corner kind of come off our outside receiver and comes to break on me. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely covered. I'm not even an option to throw to. And I see our quarterback at the time named David Blau. He scans the field and he looks directly at me and he throws it. And in my mind, I'm like, crap, like <laughs> this corner is about to take my head off. Just make sure you catch the ball. That's all you gotta do, just catch the ball. Cause I'm talking about, I'm talking, he is flying, flying downhill on me. And so I made sure I, I caught the ball. I kind of came back to it so you wouldn't have a, a direct shot on me. So I came, caught the ball, and I turned. And his angle was a little off, and he tried to, you know, shoot at my knee. And I kind of, like, moved my knee out the way. And I remember it was just me in the end zone. It was two guys that were coming and meeting me at the goal line. And I just dove in. And it was a big collision, big collision. But I scored, and I just remember the crowd going crazy. And it felt like I had, like, a, like an inner high going on, just energy and just all this emotion. And a true story, when I scored, I got up and I was just yelling and, you know, celebrating with all my teammates and stuff like that. And I just remember, like, jogging back to the sidelines, seeing my head coach, my position coach, they all happy. And, like, I had actually started, I like, had, like, a little tear in my eye just because <laughs> of, like, how happy I was. I'm like, man, like, this really just happened. It was awesome. But that, that was my, my most memorable, favorite touchdown moment ever, you know, because we want to – national TV, you know, playing against a, a great team. Of, as everybody know now, a great NFL quarterback. Exactly. So it, it was awesome. It was definitely an experience I can't take anywhere else. Did you play at any places that were like – did you ever play at like maybe a Penn State or like any of the t- – what was probably the toughest places – like toughest place you went and played at? Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, Penn State was always tough. That, that was probably, I would say – the loudest stadium I've ever played in in my life. Um, I literally remember it was times where I was standing next to uh, my quarterback before the snap, and I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't <laughs> oh. hear anything. Couldn't. It was nothing at all. And you know, I'm leaning in. Like, what are you saying? When he was, you know, audible or during the cadence and stuff like that, and you had to lean into me. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm right next to him, so I can only imagine how the offensive line feel, or you know, the receivers. You know, whatever. So, but that was the loudest place ever. But uh, Iowa, I would, I would say, have the toughest fans. The reason I say Iowa has the toughest fans because if anyone knows they ever been to Iowa Stadium, it's about a good six feet from their sideline to the actual stands itself. So oh, nice. Not, yeah, it's not much space for the players to be on the sideline and then the actual field. You know, you got the refs telling you, hey, you know, stay off the sideline, stay off the sideline. So literally, like, the fans are sitting right on top of you. And I remember we were there playing, and it was snowing. And the fans literally were throwing snowballs at us on, on the <laughs> side. It was, it was So it you was got – did you get to be a part of the wave then, though? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, no, no, I wasn't part of the wave. I wasn't part of the wave, though. But no, I wish it was, though, but no. <laughs> Uh, I was told by Chris, he said, I had to ask if you had any funny stories from high school or college. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be triggering an exact moment from maybe something with him, but he did tell me I had to ask that. Man, you know, 
<laughs> Chris Honestly, is, to, to being say around that, Chris is a goofy guy, so there's always yeah, something probably is. funny happening. He is. <laughs> I got a story. It's, oh, man. Number one, it's too many to even talk about all in one sitting with, with, with high school. But the number one, I'll break up with Chris and know exactly what I'm talking about. Our coach, you know, he pulled us all in. And uh, it was after a practice. It was like an official, it's kind of like a walkthrough-ish practice. And uh, he said, hey, he said, we got a new guy. He's moving to the area. He's going to come to our school and he wants to play football, you know? <laughs> no joke. <laughs> I remember it was like this was yesterday. Our coach told he's like, yeah, I think he's about, you know, he's about 6'2", 6'3", 220. I think he wants to play linebacker. So all of a sudden, we're excited. We're like, yeah, like, awesome. Like, this is perfect. We need we need some size, you know, to, to our team and stuff like that. And uh, Monday come around, you know, we're looking, we're looking for the new kid. All right, look for a 6'2", 6'3", 220-ish kid. Like, just looking, looking around. Don't see him at all, you know. And then we have study hall. And I noticed there was a kid kind of, you know, sitting, because we had, like, a signed seat in study hall. And at the time frame where his assigned seat was, nobody was around him. So I saw him. And then uh, I had one of my other buddies I was in study hall. I asked him, I was like, hey, I'm like, you know that guy? He's like, yeah, He's like, that's the new kid. And I was like, what do you mean the new kid? He's like, yeah, no, like that's the new kid that's trying to play football with us. And I was like, oh, that kid? And our coach said he was like 6'3", 220. What's going on? <laughs> and so I walked up to Chris. I walked up to Chris. I said, uh, I was like, what's up? My name is Richie. I said, like, he said, what's up? My name's Chris. And when I asked to meet you, I was like, are you playing football? He was like, yeah. I was like, what position? And he was like, linebacker. I'm like, okay. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then, like, I know, and I feel it's one of those things where you can laugh off now because we, we're friends about it. But at the time frame, I know my face when I said that's awesome was not like a pleasant, like, welcome. It was more like, a, like damn. Like, I got all excited for this 6 2. Yeah. Nice football yeah. player coming coming in, and then it's Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But no, Chris, Chris is my guy, and he still, he always played his butt off no matter what. You know, um, we all know, you know, he wasn't the biggest, but. He still, I wouldn't trade anybody else to be exactly. on that field. Yeah. yeah, he was actually my uh, like assigned big brother for football, like when I was a freshman in college. So I mm-hmm. got real close with him. But yeah, you're right. He's a he's a real good dude, and he will give you everything he's got. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, he, he's an awesome guy. He's an awesome guy. <laughs> so we're gonna switch a little bit, uh, go back to football. You experienced your knee a knee injury in mm-hmm. college. So give us a little bit like what happened there. Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, <laughs> Actually, the definition of, of a freak incident, to be honest. So it was we were going to play. Uh, it was the week of. It was the week of Northwestern. I want to say Northwestern, my junior year, right when I just got the starting job. You know, and coaches was pleased with me and my performance and stuff. And uh, you know, I'm sorry, I take it back. We were going to go play Iowa. We were going to go play Iowa. I take that back. And. Uh, so we getting ready for the game, game prepping. And I, I was the, I'm a big person on practice. The way you practice is the way you're going to play. Like, I, so I've always took practice 100%. Um, and Coach knew that, too. And we ran our reps in practice pretty live, honestly. And uh, it was one play that I was in uh, inside. It was inside a run segment where I was the fullback. So I was going to got a block coming downhill on a normal dive play, blocking the linebacker. And... Uh, you know, I'm making my way through the line. And at the time, the line was a little mushy. You know, defense kind of went in, offense, offensive line, defense line going back and forth, you know. Um, so I kind of did like a little jump, hop step through the line because, you know, legs were crossed and stuff just to get to that backer. And 
as I was seeing the Marv play side backer actually overflew, overran the play. So he kind of took himself out the play. So it was the back side linebacker. And I knew the angle I was coming at, I was kind of a little bit ahead of him. So I had to peel back a little bit. So I planted my right foot down and turned to peel. And me and that backer, this as, as soon as contact happened between me and him, I felt something in my knee, like immediately. This It was like a snap, quick. And I kind of was like, you know, at that point, I was like, I let go. Like, I didn't even try to do anything else. And by that time, I was right behind the defense line, the offensive line. So everybody got pain. Like, I basically got pancaked by our whole offensive line and defensive line. And that's when my knee got even twisted even more up under the pile. Mm. And at that time, I knew it was a sharp, sharp pain. My knee felt like it was on fire, like literally like on fire. And then it went away. And I just remember, I'm like, all right, like, just get up. Get up. You just tweaked it a little bit. You're good. You just take practice off for the day. You'll be fine by tomorrow. And I remember trying to get up, and I couldn't get up. And then that's when the pain started more. And then that's when the trainers ran on the field, grabbed me, took me over, and carried me over to the little training table. And, uh, you know, they start doing a little test on my knee, and they saw how loose it was. And I'd seen on the trainer's face, like, his look was like, yeah, like, it's not looking good. So I knew. I was like, damn. And then, uh, you know, finally got all the MRIs and stuff like that. Come to find out, I tore my ACL, MCL. Uh, I even had damage to my PCL, and my meniscus was blown out, too. So, basically, I'm going to blow out the whole complete knee. <laughs> so, I was like, all right, well, here comes this rehab process, you know. And uh, it took me about, i say about seven to eight months to get back into, like, you know, just running in general, running in general and, and then from that point, I started getting the cuts and stuff like that. And uh, I w- if I didn't play running back, I probably would have been back a little sooner. But, uh, you know, I just had to make sure I was comfortable with, you know, the cuts and jumping and blocking and all that. This is basically jobs of utility guy and stuff. And I just noticed as training going, he told me, he was like, yeah, you're going to feel a little discomfort, but you shouldn't feel any sharp pain. And those times where I would feel like throbbing sharp pain, like, ah, like this isn't right. Like something is wrong in my knee. Like, I don't know what it is. Can I just, you know, get an MRI just to be safe? Like, please. He's like, yeah, sure, definitely. So, you know, we planned another MRI and come to find out that my, uh, my actual cartilage in my right knee had completely died. Ooh. Completely. And it was actually, it was like the way it was, it was like lifted completely off of the actual knee itself. So I didn't know what to do. I was like, man, I'm like, so what does that mean? You know, I, I got no clue what, what all this <laughs> medical business mean. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, am I gonna be able to get am I good to play? Like, well, how long is it gonna take? You know, a week or two. And he told me, he was like, Well, the only issue is the reason why you've been feeling so much pain in that knee is because you're basically bone on bone right now. And I was like, Oh, like, like damn, okay, that's crazy. Well, what's the fix for it? You know, because I'm I'm trying to get back out there, you know. Exactly. I, I haven't seen the field in like in like nine months now. So I'm like, I'm ready to get back out there. And it was like, Well, the only issue is the way your injury is. What we have to do is we have to go in and basically scrape out all the old cartilage, drill two holes into the actual knee itself and uh, make the blood basically start a new cartilage. So that can be like your your new cartilage, uh, as you can say. So it's called a microfracture surgery. Uh, Just to kind of don't know, you know, if if you know, but Amari Stoudemire, he had the same surgery for Mm -hmm. his knee. And Greg Odom, he had the same thing Mm -hmm. for his knee. So he told me, he was like, well, it's a 50-50 chance. 
50-50 chance because if you know if you can't come back and play or if you can't because it takes up to a year and a half for it to completely heal. So I was like, oh, man, I'm all right. Cool, you know. And so I had the surgery done, got back to rehab, rehabbing and getting back together and it was feeling really good. And But I could tell at the time frame, which, you know, no shots fired at anybody, don't blame anybody, but I could tell, you know, it was taking me so long where it was all right, like, yeah, he's not coming back. Like, he, he's done, you know. And I told myself, I'm, like, I'm not going to let that happen. Like, I refuse to let that happen. I refuse to just be written off. Like, no, not, not, not going to happen. So after months and months of, of rehabbing and training, um, I finally, like I said, I finally was able to come back and play. Um, and then I played one game against Iowa my, uh, my fourth year. It was a little rusty because like I said, I, I didn't play a game in almost two years. Exactly. You know? So it, it, it was tough. It was tough, but you know, I was able to do it. And then I noticed right after the game, swelling. My knee was as big as a watermelon, you know, and I was feeling pain again. So I saw the doctor and he told me, he said, hey, listen, he said, you're probably going to deal with this for the rest of your career just because of the severity of the injury. And you didn't actually have full 100 percent time to you know, recover from this stuff like that. And he told me naturally with the position also I was going to have complications. You know, it was tough. And that's not what I wanted to hear. You know, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. Yeah. I wanted to hear all good news. And he told me, he was like, well, listen, he was like, you can. You know, you can try to, you know, play through this, but, you know, you probably want to take a game or two off here and there. And, you know, you come back next year to play and stuff like that. And, then, you know, that was going in my fifth year. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I'm like, if I'm only going to play, you know, six games and I got to deal with this injury, like, that's going to be tough. And he was like, yeah, and you're going to have severe arthritis in that knee also. You're just going to have a bunch of complications with it later down the line. But not too much later, more of soon, sooner, yeah. if that makes sense, you know. And so, you know, I kind of sat there and made a decision like, all right, like, well, what do I want to do? You know, and I kind of, you know, brought the coaching staff together and brought everybody together. And I was kind of told my, hey, you know, and I appreciate the support. I appreciate, you know, everything y'all have done for me, getting me back and everything, but I'm making the decision to step away from the game. Um, it wasn't, wasn't a, a, a easy decision, you know, because, you know, I love football. That's all, you know, it's all I knew. But, you know, I had to. Cause I started thinking down the line, like, okay, well, when I have kids, like, will I be able to run with them? Like, I don't exactly. want to be that dad, you know, sitting in the chair and all oh, you guys go play without me. Like, no, I want to be out there, you know, running and, and playing and doing all types of stuff, you know, with my kids. So it was tough, but I think I made the, the, the best decision for me. Usually though, like you get things like that, that gets people down. Like, especially you, you made it all the way to D1 level and you actually got your playing time. You were, it's got that starting role. And I read in a little uh, interview you did, you said something where you said, when asked about if you were disappointed in your career, you responded with, you didn't regret it happened because it was a great learning experience. Can you talk a little bit about like how you, why you ended up taking up that mindset and like how you took up that mindset? Definitely. Definitely. You know, I, I'll tell you, so, you know, you know, playing college ball, you know, you can definitely attest for yourself that you develop a, a mentality where it's like, Hey, like you're a soldier, you know what I mean? And you, you put it all out there on the field. Um, so when the injury happened, I felt empty. You know, I felt like I had like nothing. You know what I mean? Like, man, like this is this is what I had and it's taken away from me, you know? So, you know, it kind of steered me down a, a dark, dark path of just being, you know, depressed and, you know, not talking to my friends. I'm talking, you know, because it was times where, you know, I'm ashamed to say it now, but it was times where, you know, people would call and text me and stuff to kind of check in on me. And, and I just 
completely ignored. Like I just kind of stayed in my own little world. You know what I mean? And I know that wasn't the best thing to do at all until I had to actually one day sit there and like tell myself, like, hey, like get out of this damn funk. Like go if stop feeling sorry for yourself and go make it happen, you know? So, you know, the reason why I say like, you know, that whole process of 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 you know rehabbing and, and getting back to plan, it, it I definitely say it definitely helped build my, my character. And that's some adversity I have never faced ever in my life that I that I can say I actually, you know, a conquered on the bright side of coming back and being able to play. You know what I mean? And that was my whole goal. And I didn't care if the coach just told me, hey, yeah, you know, we passing you up or hey, you know, we we probably not gonna play you. That's okay. That's fine. I'm doing this for me. This isn't for you guys. This isn't for nobody. It's for me. It's for me to prove to myself that I am worthy and I will come back against all odds to being able to play, you know what I mean? And that was a, a battle because rehabbing and trying to get back for, I think to the precise time, it was a year and a year and nine months precisely that, you know, it was just being out the game and literally every single day rehabbing, every single day working out, every single day running to the point, you know, where, you know, how there's some, you know, guys, they love their off days, you know, they had their off days and relax, you know, when they don't have practice and when it was off season, I was still working Saturday and Sunday. I didn't have off season, you know, when it was a, whatever off day it was during the week, I was still in the training room. I was still in the field doing stuff with my trainers and, and the strength staff and stuff like that. So I just, I didn't give up on myself. And then my whole biggest thing was to stay positive through it all. You know what I mean? Cause I could, I could tell something like that could, could can consume somebody, you know what I mean? And I didn't want to be that person. I didn't. So, you know, I didn't really show, you know, my friends and family, you know, me being down and me being depressed and stuff like that. I just, it was one of those things where I had to treat it as if like, you know, like as if I, I, everything is good. Everything is, you know, sunlight outside, you know, bright, beautiful, you know, even if it was tough days where I didn't feel that way or didn't believe in that. But I, the more I kept telling myself to believe it, believe it, believe it. And the more I kept working, it started to settle in and started to be, you know, concrete into my brain where at that point I was like, hell, sky's the limit. Like I, I can't stop now. Like, I, got, I got to keep going. Exactly. So I like to ask all my guests this, what does the future of Richie worship look like? Future of Richie worship. Okay. Well, number one, uh, a healthy knee. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's number one. But no, in all seriousness, I, uh, you know, I, I got to say the future for Richie worship is just honestly just to find my purpose, to find what my calling is, you know, and I thought it was football. But, hey, you know, God showed me, like, you know, this isn't your calling. And I believe he has a he has a plan for everyone, you know. Um, so right now, technically, I moved down to Houston. I got a job working for uh, Kirby Corporation. But uh, other than that, you know, it, it's great. I have no issues with it at all. I love it, actually. I, I think it's just more of how can I give back, you know? Um, and I, I think once I figure that out and how to approach that, I think that the sky's limit again, and then I'll have a another goal, you know, a, another achievement to, to hit looking forward. I like to wrap up every episode with what I simply call Motivation Monday. Adversity and challenges are faced, and we often talk about them on this podcast. Do you have anything for someone who's going through some tough times or just a piece of advice for all our listeners starting the week on their Monday morning? Definitely. The more thing I can say is, you know, it's kind of off the word adversity, you know. I, I firmly hold or 
you're going to come out on top, plain and simple, you know. Uh, and what what does everybody say? Uh, the, the saying goes, <laughs> "I goes a pressure creates diamonds." I firmly believe that, you know, and I and I firmly feel that I I live that. So, my biggest quote that I can say right now is adversity builds character. I like that. And with that, that's a wrap on another episode of the Ref Next Podcast. Thank you, Richie, for joining. Even though we've never met, I really appreciate it. It was a really great conversation. It means a lot to me that you would uh, join, not knowing me at all. Oh, yeah, no, thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity, man. And, you know, I, I think I, I love the podcast. It's awesome, and I'm, I'm going to keep in tune with it, sir. <laughs> I appreciate it. With that, Roughnecks out. That was my conversation with former Purdue running back Richie Worship. Considering this was the first time I have ever met the guy, he is a great guy and was very happy he was willing to take the time out of his day to join the show. Thank you for all the Roughnecks listeners out there. If you liked this week's episode, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on Instagram at Roughnecks Podcast and Twitter at RoughnecksPodC1. You can email me at RoughnecksPodcast at gmail.com. Hope to see you next week. But for now, Roughnecks out.